I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Much like photographers utilize various lens lengths to create different perspectives, marketers have a bevy of different tools at their disposal to create and present different yet equally memorable customer experiences. But if you ask Joy Corso, the CMO of Vonage, what view matters most, she'll tell you it's the one that the customer sees. And that's where she thinks marketers should be pulling focus. We're here to deliver solutions to our customers. That's why we're in business, looking through the customer lens. And when we do our jobs well, that results in solving that pain point. It results in a better outcome for our customers, whatever that outcome might be. But in order to put customers first and to see things from their point of view, marketers must have a grip on their tech stack and how it affects the customer journey from top to bottom. On this episode of Marketing Trends, Joy pulls back the curtain on how Vonage uses its marketing tech stack to create lasting and memorable customer experiences. Plus, she reveals why your MarTech stack is the secret sauce to customer success if used correctly. Enjoy this episode. This message is brought to you by Salesforce. Hey marketers, today's B2B buyers are more complex than ever, and every buying committee has different needs and goals. Salesforce can help. We'll show you how to put each and every customer at the center of your B2B marketing strategy, and you'll learn how top brands like Lyft approach account-based marketing. Salesforce, market to every account, speak to every buyer. Find free B2B marketing and ABM resources at sfdc.co slash every dash buyer. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends, and today we are joined by special guest, Joy. How are you? Hey, I'm great, Ian. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, great to have you on the show. Excited to chat about everything going on at Vonage and, uh, and talk about your background. So, how did you get started marketing in the first place? You know, honestly, I fell into it. Uh, I, I totally fell into it. Uh, the old standard, go to college, not sure what you want to do, business degree, no jobs to be had back in the day, uh, X amount of years ago, and started as a recruiter. Uh, it was the only job I could find and was recruited and then literally fell into marketing. Somebody saying, hey, you can be good at this and fell into it. And, uh, you know, 30 years later, uh, here I am, but uh, it was definitely a journey of pure marketing and telecom, interestingly enough, that into exec comms for some very large companies, Raytheon's, Fidelity, Iron Mountain, uh, strategic comms, and then almost coming full circle here uh, back into Vonage, which is in this sort of telecom technology space. Um, definitely has, uh, the circle has closed and it's been a fantastic ride. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what it means to be CMO of Vonage. You know, I think any CMO role, and it's, it's fundamentally changed, I think, right? From sort of the, the days of old. CMOs is what I find so interesting about it is there's so many dimensions. Uh, you have everything from communications, which a lot that I grew up in, from more the technical side of product marketing, uh, integrated campaigns and creative and brand uh, to market intelligence to uh, your web work, right? Uh, to your demand gen work, which is such a hot button, particularly for tech and SaaS companies, right? How do you capture attention of your customer to field work and how do you convert it globally? Um, and even areas like, you know, uh, social responsibility that just came under my remit just recently, very passionate about it because uh, I do think 
uh, particularly we're a public company, there is this notion about doing good in giving back. And I do think and that doesn't mean millions and millions of dollars always. It could be in uh, working with nonprofits to give them part of your technology or supporting platforms. I just think it's having a purpose in what a company does, right? We're about accelerating the world's ability to connect. Uh, pretty important these days and no question with COVID, but I do think a company should do good and should give back in their community. So I'm really excited to have that as part of the remit as well. Yeah, I'm sure all of our, our listeners know, you know, about about Vonage, but what what is kind of like the suite of products that you all have? Uh, who are your customers? Who are the people that uh, that you all are, are selling to? It's really interesting because, you know, I, yeah, I've been around a long time uh, and Vonage was that web company. Folks remember the commercials from, you know, decades ago uh, from the consumer phones, which we still have, but really began the strategic pivot about five years ago. Uh, with a series of uh, very smart acquisitions to become now this true business-to-business global provider of cloud communication solutions. And it really is just exponential growth. And what I mean by cloud communications, it's things like unified communications, right? How do your employees talk to each other and stay connected? Contact center, how do you keep connected with your customers, right? And then, of course, uh, I think really just uh, I think it's a rocket ship of a business in our communications API business. So if you think about things like companies building, think about telemedicine, right? Building video chat, right? Absolutely critical for telemedicine these days or SMS uh, or two-factor authentication or voice. I mean, that area just exploded over COVID for companies to have to completely pivot uh, their strategy and how they're going to connect to their customers. So that's really what Vonage is about uh, now. So that's, um, it's a really exciting place to be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like, obviously the last year has been, you know, the strangest time ever in, in many ways, but definitely communications changed overnight. You know, how we communicate, how our customers communicate, how our employees communicate, everything obviously changed. How did your marketing change? How did, how you thought about you know, bring your product to your customers uh, evolve over the last year? Yeah, it's interesting. And I started here after COVID. So I joined in, in August, which was a, an interesting time to come because when you don't get to meet any of your teammates, uh, which is, I suppose, the way of the world. But I think every marketer had that dilemma, right? I mean, seemingly overnight, your remit changed. Budgets were shifted, right? On-site events were, were canceled, which is fundamental, right? Particularly in technology space. Those, those are really quite important for us. And one of the things I think about now is, you know, and now this digital space is far more crowded than it's ever been. Anything that was on-site had to find a place in the digital world, regardless of what, what on-site meant, right? Out of home kind of dried up, right? Events dried up. How do you then, then make that relevance in the market? And one of the things I talk about a lot is about relevancy in the market. And there was this, you know, I was reading about it for one of our internal meetings. And what I think about is customers today, I believe, uh, particularly because of COVID, they want to get to A to B as quickly as possible. Now, while that might be something we've always thought about, there was actually a lot of time to do other stuff. So I think it's about being relevant in that moment for the customer, right? Now, take it a step further, when you think about your competition in this market, right, which heats up, there's a great quote, I think it was an HBR article that talked about, you're not just, you're not competing necessarily 
with your competitors that you think about or your standard competitors. You're competing with your customers' last best experience. And that made me pause because it's true. It's not so much about loyalty anymore. It's where your customers are going to have the best experience. So when I think about how we pivot, it's about how do we deliver what the customer is needing and wanting in that moment of experience. And that's a hard thing to do, but I think that's the right way to think about it. Well, yeah, and you've talked in the past about this, this idea of kind of the, the threes company, you have sales, marketing, and service alignment, which is really tough. And I think that that's kind of where you see the, the seams a lot of times in exactly what you're talking about, which is if sales is saying one thing, marketing is saying another, and service is saying another, then you just have a fundamental mistake being made because the customer's just confused and they're like, I'm just, I don't, I'm not here for this. I don't, I'm not here for, for you to not know who I am and, and ask me 50 different things. And I have to call 10 different phone numbers or anything like that. Oh, there's no question about it. I mean, think about one of the, the greatest frustrations of anybody, right? We're all customers as well. When you call and you have to give your information multiple times, right? That's maddening uh, to folks. And I think there's a beauty to when companies get it right. And it's hard, right? I certainly haven't cracked the code yet of being able to have that complete view of the customer at any touch point, right? You know, I'm not sure folks can truly appreciate the type of data and insights you get from your customer service team. I mean, it's a treasure trove, right? I'm delighted almost when a customer has an issue because at least you know about it, right? I'm more concerned about the issues I don't know about. Yeah, it's a great point. Right, that, that they're talking about, you know, quietly, you know, to their friends, right, and reputation and brand. But gathering that data with what sales heals, hears from the field, right, which could be a little bit different from what marketing is targeting, what we believe, you know, folks want to know about. But I am incredibly data-driven, and all those data points tell you a story, right? It's not about one data point or two. It's when you aggregate all of those it is a beautiful thing, super hard to do. Um, but I think if you can get that paint, that picture of that customer means you can serve up solutions when you see a bellwether that they're having an issue, right? You can serve up potential uh, new products if you know where they want to take their business, right? You can triage things before they become a problem. So it's, I think that's the nirvana for marketers, um, and I do think it's incredibly important, uh, more, more so now than ever. Yeah. I mean, you know, you look at 76% of customers expect uh, consistent interactions across departments and 40 or 54% say that generally it feels like sales service and marketing don't share information. And that's from the uh, state of the connected consumer page 16, for those of you who want to reference. But it, yeah, I mean that, but that's right. I mean, that we all feel that, right? Like we, we all feel, I, I just, um, I ordered a couch uh, not too long ago, and I was just checking on the status of my return, uh, my, the status of the of the couch being delivered. Uh, I called the store. The store was like, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, you sold it to me. What do you mean you don't know? And they're like, well, we have to talk to, like, we'll call you on Monday. We'll, we'll talk to corporate. You know, Monday rolled around. That didn't happen. And, uh, you know, I called corporate, and corporate's like, oh, we'll get back to you. And it's just like those sort of things where, you know, it's like if the person who sold me the thing has absolutely no idea or transparency into what it is, like that's the problem there is part of its communication. Part of it is just like clearly your systems aren't <laughs> aren't talking um, and that person doesn't have access to the data. But, you know, 
imagine when I see that the next ad for, for, I don't know, the, I don't know what else they would be selling me, but some decorative pillows. Yeah. I'm like, shoot, you can't even get me, get me the couch that I want. What am I going to put the pillows on the ground and sit on them? So it's just, I think that we all feel the, the, the seams of those things so consistently. And really what I think it, it really, really hurts is it really hurts our marketing campaigns because nobody wants to engage with a brand that doesn't listen to them. And then sales is like, why aren't the campaigns working? Uh, and it's like, yeah, nobody wants to click on our stuff because uh, our service team, um, you know, can't get them answers on time. Oh, a thousand percent. And first of all, the report's great, by the way, uh, that you're referencing. If you haven't read it, please do. It's fantastic. But, and, I, and I'll think about it from the opposite lens. Think about as a consumer uh, of any product, right, what you just said. Would you rather, who would you go to? You want to go to something that you trust. You want to know that, oh my God, I'm going to buy from here because it's so easy. It's, it, I, can, I can track my package. I can return it without being paid. They send me the label. It's super easy. And when you don't get that experience of super easy of whatever you purchase, it's not a problem, right? Because you know what good is, right? And folks expect it to be good. You expect it to be good. You expect marketers and companies to make it easy for you, make it easy to do business with you, right? So there's nothing more maddening, even as a consumer today. Um, now, of course, it sounds wonderful. And as marketers, there's lots of things uh, we have to do as a companies, back-end systems, right? Particularly if you have legacy systems, you have to kind of weave together uh, information, clean information. But that is, and what I talked about earlier of that customer lens, right? Same thing here. Make it easy to do business with you. Make it easy for somebody to reach out. Make it easy for somebody to fill out the form. Make it easy for somebody to try to get a hold of you uh, in whatever way that is. Uh, that I think is, I think it's a not negotiable, right? Because I do believe, and I know there's studies on this, customers, any customer, it's a consumer or business, will choose that brand, even if it's a bit more expensive, because you know what you're going to get every single time. Yeah. I mean, you know, every time I buy something from somebody that has the return label already printed for me, it's like, I, that I, I would love to just be sitting in the boardroom of, I don't know if that's a boardroom decision, but, uh, <laughs> but in the, in the, dis, the decision room where it's like, well, if we put these in, then people are going to return, return more stuff. It's like, no, if you put these in, people are going to buy more stuff because they know that if it doesn't fit, they can return it because it's a freaking pandemic. And it's like, those are the sort of things where it's like those inputs, that customer feedback should go back into your marketing. It's like easy to return. Like we all want easy to return, right? Because sometimes it doesn't fit. It has nothing to do with your product being bad or whatever. We're not trying to trick people into buying our stuff that they don't like. We want them to like our stuff. And if they don't like it, we want them to return it. A thousand percent. And it was years ago. I remember reading a study on this is before, obviously before pandemic, but before that, uh, for retailers, they found that free shipping trumped everything for sales as opposed to 15% off, 20% off, whatever it was, that would trump, right? People wanted to feel like they were getting free shipping for whatever reason. Um, that was really a driver. And you see a lot more of it today, right? So many things, free shipping, free returns. Now it's almost staple and standard right? It's what customers are demanding. So they don't have to invest in something they might not you know, want to keep or get. So that you, you're spot on. And those are the insights, exact insight that your, your customer team probably gets every day. They probably hear that kind of feedback 
every day. Marketing's not going to hear that, right? We're not going to hear that. We may hear about price or something. And that's why that, that integration is, again, it, it's, it's a treasure trove. It's, it's just a data repository uh, of so many insights that marketing in our sales can then use. And it's, um, I do think it's probably underutilized, uh, something we certainly have to get better at. We haven't cracked the code yet either, but it really is uh, such a, a critical information point uh, to hear directly from your customers. So we, we're, we're all in this uh, deep, deep into the ever-evolving MarTech chart. Uh, I always forget um, who puts that, the, the slide together that's like the 8,000 MarTech uh, logos on it. We're all deep in there. And MarTech is, is obviously, you know, one of the most critical, you know, things facing any CMO today. It's something that's overwhelming. It's exciting. It's all of those uh, things rolled into one. How do you think about your MarTech stack? Oh my gosh, uh, with great anxiety. I think about it uh, with great anxiety. Uh, it's a secret sauce. I really do believe that. And now, again, now more than ever, you know, I almost yearn for the day sometimes, 15 years ago, we had, you know, you were lucky to have a CRM and there was still that you had, right? And now there's so much intelligence that can come behind it and it can help truly accelerate. But yet at the same time, it's incredibly overwhelming. You know, you have sort of your staples, you know, we're a Salesforce shop, um, you know, that's our base. Uh, but there's so many, to your point, the 800 logos in between, and it is overwhelming. And I think one of the biggest challenges and one thing that, that we're looking at here is obviously you want to clean up the stack. I think you got to make sure you orient to what you're really trying to get to. It's really easy to get caught up uh, in a sexy piece of tech, right? Super easy to get caught up in it. And you're hooked and you buy it, whether it be, um, and there's some great stuff, whether it be something on AI or a propensity to buy or better profiling or that sort of thing. And you need all that. And I can tell you, when we look at, at my stack, and I think this came out of Gartner, uh, you know, maybe marketers use about 58% of their MarTech stack effectively. Now, I'm not saying they don't use they probably use all of them, but not to the depth and to the degree that they should be used or they could be used because I think it's, this is cool, let's add this, this is cool, let's add this. So I do think you gotta take a step back, take a breath and say, okay, what am I really trying to do here? Because there's so many brilliant technologies and startups that come out. I mean, literally every month there's a new startup that has a brilliant piece of technology. What's the base that you have, right? And then how are you gonna scale that? So. I think for me, it's uh, trying to, to distill it down and use far more of it and consume far more of it than you have, as opposed to just scratching the surface of each one. And by the way, MarkTech doesn't solve all your marketing ills, right? It's not going to magically create better XYZ or magically increase something. There's a lot of work behind that, connecting systems, having the right intelligence, but it starts from a smart strategy of what you really want to do with it. Uh, so I'm a big proponent of it. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, right? Uh, to how you can effectively bring the tech on uh, and then deploy it and use it uh, to, you know, an 80% of what it can really do for you. Yeah, it's a great point. And, and also too, I mean, I think that so many vendors, you know, obviously roll out new features all the time and all, all sorts of different things. And when you once you have the, uh, you know, you have a product that that you're using or a suite or a platform or whatever, 
and you're trying to figure out how do we how do we continue to to grow this and and all that stuff. By the way, I think it's chiefmartech.com is the uh is the giant technology landscape uh thing which it looks now it's so it's so beautiful it looks like a painting uh because it's there's so many different logos it's like uh, maybe i'll put that on my wall so i can just stare at it and and stress myself out but it, it but it's a it, it's something that you know you, you get feature creep you get you know all this stuff you get you know different people in the company that want to use different things. And it's just, and honestly, you know, it's to the point where, you know, MarTech is, is really so complex and blended with the other departments now that it's really not MarTech anymore, right? Like your data tools are now so critical to what you're doing. Your AI tools, I mean, they're critical to your product, right? Like these are things where it's not just, you know, like the, the older school MarTech tools where it's like, hey, we're just you know, we're making life easier on the marketers or, or things like that. It's like, these are things that are deeply in, embedded in your, in your product and your service on, you know, your, your data teams. How do you think about like the integration of those tools, you know, working on something like AI, where it's going to be in, not just in marketing, it's going to be cross-functional uh, and, and maybe you have a center of excellence or something like that. And there's a bunch of different ways to to work on it. A great point, right? And we're a company that had multiple acquisitions, right? And with each of those acquisitions, they all had different tech stacks, right? Very common uh, when you have that acquisition model. And I think you're right. Um, you know, we definitely have uh, a stack that we, we inherited or had, but no question it pops up, you know, sales might want to do something more ABM focused, right? Uh, or customer service may have something else to help that along. And I think we're trying to get our arms uh, around all that. And that sort of MarTech poster that you talked about, I mean, it is, it's, it's jaw-dropping when you look at it. I mean, it's awesome, right? But it's jaw-dropping to see not only just all the, all the different tech companies, but then how that proliferates, what it connects to, right? All the different connection points. Uh, and it is overwhelming. I think things like AI that you talked about when you think about sort of the low-hanging fruit, um, you know, your chatbots, and think about when they started, to where they are today with far more intelligence, right? Uh, even when people are typing emails to, to customer service, you know, they sentiment, right? About are they upset? Are they happy, uh, et cetera? All that intelligence, I do think that's really smart intelligence. Again, when I think about my charter, what am I trying to do from a marketing standpoint? I want to get them from A to B as quickly as possible. And I know there was sort of the old line marketing thing of, hey, we want them to stay on our website as much as possible. I'm not there. Um, I get why you'd say that, right? Because the more exposure, I think today, particularly because of COVID, it's getting them from A to B as quickly as possible. I want to help them uh, solve a pain point. I want to help them bring a solution as quickly as possible. So I'm not that worried about how much time I'm doing finger quotes they spend on the site. I'm more concerned with, did I get them to where they wanted to go with the least level of friction? And did they find what they need? So I think when we look at MarTech, and that's part of it, is how does it enhance the journey? It's not just keeping them engaged, it's getting them to the right spot. I think that's the critical factor with anything that you, that you bring in or understanding, you know, personalizing web experiences, because we know that this is the kind of person that's coming in and this is the pain point. So great, let's serve up content to that person for that pain point out of the gate. Don't make them try to find it. That's where I think that intelligence can really, really be helpful. Uh, we're scratching the surface there, but I think there's so much more to do. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, you know, one of the things, 
the most slick tools, like what I remember when it came out was like, you know, heat mapping software and things like that. And you're just like, wow, this is really giving me insight that I never had. Like, this is really, really cool. And I think that that's like the perfect case of MarTech where it's like, you're giving me insights to something I didn't know, but now shoot, my team has to go do all the work. Like this just gives you, you know, it doesn't give you the answers to the test, right? It just gives you the test. <laughs> and that, that's a great point because when you put a piece of MarTech in, just what you're saying, Ian, again, it's not magic. Something has to happen and somebody has to follow up and there's work all behind that. Not only to set it up, but then to follow up to make sure the, the process flows are right, right? And that you're capturing that. Does it get into your pipeline? Does it convert all of that? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a domino effect uh, when you do something. We had a guest on uh, Lomit, uh, gosh, probably 100 episodes ago, where at IMVU, he's the, he's the VP of marketing at IMVU. And he said that basically they built an, they built an AI machine uh, for running their campaigns. And then their marketing team, all they did was create hundreds of variations of, of uh, copy. And then they just plugged it all in. And that was how they, that was how they did advertising. And I thought that that was just such like, what an interesting evolution of a marketing team, right? Where it's like, it's almost like back to Madison Avenue where it's like, oh, the marketers are just creating, you know, the, the, the ad copy, um, and the AI is is doing the work to to find the audience, to do all the A-B testing, to do all that stuff. Like that's where you just see the level of complexity of what we're talking about is like off the charts that there's enough tech that you could implement to get a system just so you can optimize to that way. And then I'm sure two years from now, that system is completely going to change. Oh, if it doesn't keep up, right? Uh, if that doesn't keep up, there's something else that's going to trumpet that's going to have, you know, better technology and that, that balance with marketing, right? People always say marketing's art and science, and it is. It's not a commodity, right? If, if it was, you wouldn't need a whole bunch of different types of marketers, a whole bunch of different types of thinking, some creative people, some analytic people, et cetera. So, you know, again, the MarTech stack doesn't solve for that. It doesn't replace the thinking, but it should be able to give you far greater targeting, far greater, uh, again, where your product fits best, where you can solve that pain point for that person, I think that's the, the value to unlock, not to, not to replace the marketing team, right? That's not what it's for, but it's to, to fuel them and engage them. So we spend our dollars far more wisely, right? For greater return. Every marketer has a pipeline. Every marketer has um, revenue they have to bring in. Uh, so that, this is something that should help accelerate that, not, not replace it. And and it's Scott Brinker. I always forget his name, but he's the one who 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 does that huge uh, huge chart. So this is your your next stint as CMO, uh, as they say. How did you kind of go into this role? You know, differently this this time around. Was there was there something that you said? You know, in in my previous time doing this, that I wanted to shift X Y Z. What was your mindset going in, and and how did it change? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. And, and what I've learned even when I was coming out of the comm side of the fence, you know, I had three different companies that I worked for. They were all about 15,000 people, $6 billion companies, and they were all fundamentally different. I mean, just completely different in their life cycles, where they are, their products. And same here. I think it's not from one CMO job to the next because I think the demands and the expectations of the role does change with the company. You know, you could have a marketing-led company, you could have a sales-led company, you could have a tech-led company. Uh, and that sort of changes the paradigm. But I think in each role that I go to, and I believe this in marketing, they always say marketing is the, the C-suite that turns over the most. For sure. Definitely those. I approach it as business first, marketing second. 
And I think that's pretty important. I think you have to, when you have your seat at the table, it's with your business head on, understanding your business, understanding the financials, understanding the operations, how it works is how I sort of go at it as opposed to this is just marketing. It's not just marketing. Uh, it's business first. So, and I think that's when I grew up in exec comms and strategic comms, truly understanding how a CEO would think um, and what they want to know and how they're looking at it. I do think that was extraordinarily helpful uh, for me and I had some great CEOs that, that I work with. So that's how I approach it. You know, in coming into new, I think there were days I'd probably make changes pretty readily out of the gate. You know, this is about truly understanding why we did things, trying to, to take a bit more time on that to digest it more, right? Um, I don't have to boil the ocean in 90 days. Uh, I want to make sure I'm making the right, the right changes. So I think I definitely got a bit more, uh, a bit more balance uh, in that, but it never changed from business first, marketing second, because my job is to make the company successful, right? Not just the marketing team. So that's why I sort of look at it. Are there any favorite campaigns that you've, uh, you've had over the years uh, or maybe ones that, that you're working on now? Yeah, interestingly, I'd probably point to something on the brand side. Vaughn had been through a very, very big rebrand in the 2019 uh, of October when they really pivoted, we really pivoted to a business, uh, business to business. And it was new logo, uh, new coloration, all that. It was quite brilliant. I mean, they did a brilliant job. And there was a whole new branding campaign that came out of a very interesting, funny and quirky and really interesting stuff. And I think after COVID hit, I do think there was different expectations from the market because folks, as I said, need to get to A to B quickly. This was their livelihood, right? Folks had to keep their businesses afloat. They had to find a solution pretty quickly to stay connected, right? So I think the, the disposition for things that weren't readily direct, what does that company do? It was more challenged in that sort of environment when there's such pressure for people to find solutions, right? So we are working on something uh, now, which, which we, we have in mar- market, and it's really around, you know, Vonage does that. It's pretty cool stuff because when you think about what a company like us does, it's everything from uh, ordering your coffee by text. You know, we're powering that. If it's uh, telemedicine, video, we're powering that. You know, if you have a company that has, um, you know, like a, a Peloton bike, um, the APIs behind that to make it personal, we're, we're, we're doing that you know, intelligent agent and contact center. That's what Vonage is doing. So it's, you literally can't think of a transaction. A ride sharing service knows your location. That's our APIs powering that. So when we think about what we do, honestly, I could go through my day and I could probably point out almost everything I touch. Vonage does that. That's what we do. That's what we do. So that's pretty exciting stuff because it is what we do. And it does accelerate this world's ability to connect so that's a campaign I'm pretty excited about because it is really helping folks understand that's what we do and that's what, what you can do for your customers ultimately, right? As you're looking for breakthrough ways to do things. So I'm, I'm super excited for that. And that's just getting in market now. So uh, you should be seeing that up shortly. Yeah, that's really exciting. I'm, I'm curious, like, do you think about those things in terms of like, you know, coming into the team, you know, obviously you, you haven't been... Uh, advantage super long, but trying to figure out, I know me as a, as a marketer, whenever I'm talking to a new company, I just love going into those customer stories, like, and just like, who are our customers? What are they doing? How are they doing it? How can we tell that story better? It's, it's like really exciting. Cause you just, 
you know, you're new and you, you want to just like learn this stuff and you're like, oh, people, do people know that? Do they know how they use it? You know, like those sort of things. I feel like that's always so fun. Oh, it's, it's so fun. And particularly when it's, when it's super meaningful, right? So there were some customer stories that came out. It's like, my God, folks, this is what, this is it. This is the Nirvana. We have a company in, I think in Australia and they had an API that they were using to be able to track if there was an accident it was, it was sort of 911 service that they could more readily find exactly, you know, where the incident happened, right? How impactful is that? My God, right? Cool, cool stuff. Uh, another company that we, uh, we supported through COVID called StoryCorps. If you haven't heard, go check them out. It's a nonprofit. And they would sit in New York and Grand Central Station and do one-on-one interviews with these 14 meaningful questions. It started off with families. So a child could ask a parent, basically, if this was our last conversation, what would you ask me? Jeez. Pretty, pretty intense. But it's really now when COVID hit, that wasn't happening anymore, right? So we built this platform from them, StoryCorps Connect, where they can now do it over video. But it's expanded well past that. And, and all these stories, by the way, are stored in the Library of Congress. It, it's the largest collection of human voices ever uh, in the country. It's pretty wow. Tough. But it's expanded to here. You have conversations between uh, two first responders or two frontline uh, workers in healthcare on the medical side. And they're talking about, they're having a conversation about what they're seeing now or in social movements. So it's expanded far past that. And I think about, my God, in, when I talk about social responsibility and giving back, it makes me feel awesome because we're going to support them. Those are important conversations, whether it's a dad with his kids whether it's, you know, two coworkers, you know, talking about something pretty important, whether it's about a student teacher that really impacted their lives. It's just, that's, I mean, how else do you accelerate the world's ability to connect? That, that's it, right? So you're absolutely right. This is the stuff that gets me so excited because the use cases and how it helps is endless. And that really makes me super proud, you know, to be working for a company like this. I love uh, one of the pieces of copy on the website on, on Vonage.com for your contact center copy says, turn sorry for the inconvenience into it's a pleasure serving you. I love that. That's great. It's a, it's a great way of, of looking at things. And I think, you know, it, it's one of the things that we all want, right? It's we want as marketers success stories, right? Like we want happy customers and we want those happy customers to tell a friend <laughs> and we want those happy customers to be receptive when we reach back out and say, hey, can, do you want to do a customer story? Do you want to do a case study? Do you want to do all that sort of stuff? And I think that, um, you know, it's got to start with having having the happy, happy customer. Oh, for sure. I mean, right, that that is, uh, you know, the, the utopia for marketers, right? Uh, to have your customers talk about you in such, in such a positive way, uh, in whatever form that is, because I do think there's such goodness. I do think and by the way, we can talk about ourselves all day long, right? That third-party validation, whatever third party that is, right? But I think we're here to be customer first. We're here to deliver solutions to our customers. That's why we're in business, right? We have shareholders, of course, and our employees are super, super important to deliver on that. But like what I said at the very, at the very top of the, the conversation, looking through the customer lens. And when we do our jobs well, right, that results in solving that pain point. It results in a better outcome for our customers, whatever that outcome might be. And that's a pretty awesome feeling when you have those, you know, hey, you know, thank you, Vonage, or this really moved the dial for our business. 
that's, that's what we're here to do, right? And that's our job to your point as marketers to be able to tell those stories of how, how we did that and how that's working. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Any other things that, that you think um, you know, CMOs should be thinking about in terms of you know, promoting those things, whether it's from you know, telling customer stories or whether it's you know, increasing some of the, uh, the sales marketing service alignments or, or just any recommendations for, uh, for, for your CMO pals out there? Yeah, I think so. I think I'll always say business first. I think it's just an acumen that will, will serve CMOs well. And I think, you know, this, this function turns over uh, the most of anyone because I do think there's lots of expectations here, right? On-demand gen, uh, on revenue, et cetera. But I do think it's, it's broader than that. I really like folks to think about what's your relevance in the market because I do think that helps fuel everything else, right? Who you really are, the value you bring, and do good. Make sure your company's always, I know it's softer, but always do good there. So definitely business savvy, uh, alignment, 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 right? You know, you go faster with all oars in the water, rowing in the same direction than when folks' oars are out of it or rowing in a different direction. It's a simple analogy and one people have heard, but it is so true. Uh, you burn a lot of calories when you're not going in the same direction. And then of course, data, data, data will drive your growth, 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 which is I know what we're all here to, we're all here to do. Okay, let's get into our lightning round. These questions are fast and easy, just like marketing with Salesforce. You can go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more about marketing on the world's number one CRM, that is Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more lightning round questions. Joy, are you ready? Oh my God, I'm ready. Number one, you're in Austin. What is one thing that, uh, that I should do the next time I'm in Austin? Go see the bats. Go see the bats take flight. It's pretty awesome under the Bat Bridge. The Bat Bridge is awesome. Uh, and I have been to the Bat Bridge and it's pretty amazing. It is. What is an ad that maybe over time uh, in the past was one of your favorites or, or an ad that is running now that, uh, that you're jealous of? You know what ad I've always loved? And it's an oldie, but I'm supposed to say it. Always, always, always love the Nike Just Do It. I don't know why. It's a classic. I just love it. It's simple. It's to the point and you just get it. I just, I love it. Do you think they should bring it back? I do too. I thought it was brilliant. I know, right? If you could have one person on a podcast, it can be anyone. In fact, anyone from history, if you really want to, who would it be? Maybe I would say, you know, honestly, I think I might go with like a Malcolm Gladwell just because there's so many dimensions to his thinking. So many dimensions and so many ways you could take it. What do you do for fun? Uh, two teenage girls. So uh, uh, whatever they want to do, if they'll spend time with me, I'm delighted for that. So I uh, <laughs> look forward to that. That's great. If you weren't in marketing at all or business even, what do you think you'd be doing? Oh, that's interesting. You know, I, in, in college, I, I worked as a legal secretary. So I always thought I was going to be a paralegal or a lawyer. That obviously didn't pan out. But I think, so, I think it would be something around... In that, in that realm in some way. What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? Do you need some time off? <laughs> do you? <laughs> yes. It's, uh, I don't have any questions that I don't get asked. No, I don't think, I, I think, you know, I think people are pretty open to ask me whatever it is, but uh, I'll take time off when I can get it too. Well, courtesy of Marketing Trends, I think I can officially say that everyone can can have the rest of the day off. I, I uh, love it. Thank you. 
Uh, well, thank you, Joy. This has been awesome. Uh, thanks so much for for joining the show. Everybody check out uh, Vonage.com to learn more if you if you haven't already. And uh, any any final thoughts, anything to plug? No, this is great. Thanks, Ian, for having me. Such a great conversation. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. Take care. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing.